Hello, and welcome back to Climbing a Castle, your definitive Disney ranking podcast. I'm Dominic. And I'm Charlie. And today we'll be discussing Onward. In the enchanting world of Onward, magic has gradually faded away, replaced by modern convenience and technology. In this adventure, we follow the extraordinary journey of two teenage elf brothers, Ian and Barley Lightfoot, who embark on a quest to spend one more day with their late father. With a spell that brings them back for 24 hours, the brothers must overcome their differences, confront mythical creatures, and unlock the true brat heart of brotherly love, all while rediscovering the magic that lies within themselves. And we were talking about how we were not impressed with the movie our first times watching it. I really liked it this time around. Yeah, I think this honestly might be the biggest change in opinion on a movie I've had throughout the entirety of this series. Including, like, some of the other stuff that I was talking about, like Emperor's New Groove, where I didn't like it, and then I liked it, and then, like, Incredible is where I came around to it, but I'm still not, like, completely impressed. With this movie, my original opinion, I just did not enjoy it at all, and I thought it was a bit too goofy, and it was a bit weird, and now I just really enjoyed it. I don't know, maybe it's because we've been watching all these Disney movies constantly now. Well, see, I think... For me, I think what I realized is the real, the major reason why I didn't like it was because I was I had high expectations going into it, and it didn't live up to those expectations. And now rewatching it, I had low expectations going into like watching it, and it kind of like grounded me as to like what to expect from this movie. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be completely honest. Like I think. I was expecting this big, giant, fantasy, epic-type movie when the movie first came out, and it just doesn't really deliver on that end, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, and but I don't think that's what they were trying to go for this, either. Now, rewatching it now, you can see that, but like, I think I was expecting that going into it, and that's why I was so disappointed the first time I had watched it. And now, when you don't go in with that hopes of that, it really shows you what this movie really was, and how much they actually put into it yeah and i mean they put a lot which i have plenty of fun facts to talk about so if we're ready to get into it let's jump on in okay so i have a large list of fun facts i mean there's a few kind of long ones and then there's there's a lot of just one sentence ones with references uh, to start off uh, the title of the film holds a dual meaning Onward is first spoken in the film when Barley shifts Guinevere to O for Onward. But did you know that the title has a deeper meaning as well? According to Scanlon, the decision to choose Onward as a title was because the word really encompassed the journey of maturing and moving on from a loss. I, I can see where they were going with that. I mean, you know, instead of, you know, just Onward, like in some kind of adventure, they're moving Onward toward maturing and discovering themselves i mean yeah that works i mean there are i feel like there are better words that they can use to to portray that message as well though but it's still still fitting yeah similar to other pixar movies hidden details abound throughout this film while watching you just might notice a troll or two or three or several the crowd's team hid these creatures in the background of several scenes Eagle-eyed viewers might also notice that an elf with a buzz-cut hair, wearing a white striped shirt and khaki pants, 
appears every so often in the background of the film. This character, who the animators affectionately named Theo, became a running gag during production, with animators trying to fit him into the background of several different scenes. Although his appearances were eventually scaled back, the famous Theo can still be seen in a few moments, including being bullied by the sprites at the Swamp gas station, watching Barley try to find the Phoenix gym at the high school and outside the Manticore's tavern after the fire. So I don't think I've noticed this guy at all. I do think it's hilarious, though, that they're just made a running gag of how many times they can sneak him into the movie. Like, I, thought, I think that's pretty cute. That, you know, there's this one character that they just constantly want to put in, like, oh, look, there's Theo. It is sad that he got cut out from so many places. I would have loved to see just, like, Every that would have been an amazing thing to do. Yeah. Just okay. This time we're gonna watch onward, but we're gonna see how many times we spot Theo, <laughs> or maybe make it a drinking game. Take a drink every time Theo appears <laughs> on screen. That would be fun. Quest of Your is a real game. During the development of the film, the story team created the elaborate fantasy role-playing game to showcase Barley's eccentric personality as well as to serve as a guide for the two brothers as they embarked on their journey. The development of the game proved to be so elaborate that the team ended up partnering with Disney Consumer Products to create a real-life version, which was released that same year. That's amazing. I, I would love that they just went all in and made an actual game out of this as well. <laughs> just... And now I have to go next paycheck and buy this game <laughs> i would buy it too if i wasn't so broke right now <laughs> yeah as with other pixar movies extensive research went into making of onward to ensure that every detail looked and felt just right several experiments were conducted including pouring different levels of milk into several different gelatin molds to get the right opaque quality for the gelatinous cube and taking a bunch of close-up photos of cheese puffs for science. <laughs> Other visual challenge was trying to figure out exactly how dad, aka a pair of pants, might move on his own. To better understand the character, the filmmakers donned green suits, khakis, and a pair of shoes and walked and stumbled and danced their way around a green screen motion capture stage. Again, the amount of detail that they put into like trying to capture all these things is hilarious and incredible. And seeing that cheese puff, like the big one that they floated on, yeah. I can definitely see that they did their research on it. It did look like a cheese puff. <laughs> uh, this is Pixar's first film without any involvement from John Lasseter, following his departure as CEO of Disney's animated areas. And Lasseter has been a big influence in all of Disney throughout the entirety of it. So it's kind of crazy that he's finally moved on. Mm hmm. Yeah, from 2020 on, it you kind of do see a little bit of a difference. Yeah. But you can also tell that he had such an impact that everyone kind of picked up on some of his things. Mm -hmm. The Burger Shire, a fast food restaurant, has a sign reading, now serving second breakfast. In the Lord of the Rings books and movies, second breakfast is a meal enjoyed by the hobbits who all live in the Shire. I love that reference. That's great. <laughs> As a nerd, I have a bunch of just nerdy references in here so get ready uh pixar's iconic pizza planet truck appears in the troll bridge toll scene which i, did I didn't not, notice that i did not catch it again uh, they've been very like they've really been hiding it yeah 
which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You're going to love this one. Triple Dent Gum is sold at the gas station Ian and Barley visit, which is an Easter egg for Inside Out. <laughs> that damn gum. It's never going <laughs> to leave me alone. <laughs> Triple Dent Gum. <laughs> the badges from Up are shown on a bulletin board in Ian's room. The badges? Oh, yeah, so uh, the badges from Up. So there's so Ian's a scout. <laughs> Interesting. Another short one. The Stereo and Barley's van is from the brand L-O-R, which could also be read as Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second Disney Pixar animated film that Julie Louise Dreyfus did since A Bug's Life. I didn't even recognize her voice this time. She sounds completely different than she normally mm-hmm. does in this movie. But to think, she hasn't done a Pixar movie since A Bug's Life. Was... Or the fact that she's done a second movie with Pixar. <laughs> Normally, if they have a returning person, it's like the next movie or maybe two movies later. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a bit of a gap. Although she is a manticore, Corey's depicted with a lion's head instead of a man's head, one of the common characteristics of a manticore in mythology. Like in modern depictions, Corey is depicted with wings despite having historical records mentioning the manticore did not have wings. So, so Corey is a lie. <laughs> I mean, is Corey really a lie? Uh, Corey is a lie. It's a mythical creature. How do we even know they had wings or not? Nope. Corey lied to us. (laughs) She's the villain of the film. (laughs) Next one. (laughs) If you read the kids' menu of the Manticore's Tavern, you'll notice Kraken legs are an option. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of saw that, and I just kind of wanted to throw that one in there. While having recorded most of their lines separately, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt did some of their recording sessions together since, according to Dan Scullin, they've worked together before and hung out together. According to producer Corey Ray, Holland and Pratt improvised some of their lines while recording together, which I think is a good thing whenever like they're recording together so they can feel each other's energy. Yeah. I mean, and then they they're def- able to improvise together. They have some history and they're both in Marvel movies together, so like... Mm kind of interesting to see them teamed up again here. There are many beverages advertised in the gas station called Cloak and Cola, Mountain Doom, and Saterade, referencing the real-life beverages Coca-Cola, Mountain Dew, and Gatorade. I love how creative they got with all these references. (laughs) All these puns, like, made me so happy. (laughs) It was the coolest thing. Due to COVID-19 pandemic, this was the first Disney movie to be released for digital download while still in theaters. See, I don't remember it actually coming out in theaters. I thought it went straight to Disney. Um, Plus. It did go out in theaters. It just, it was around the time COVID I, was I know, really hitting like, hard. It came so no one went to the theaters to watch it. But I, I just don't remember it actually getting a theatrical release. I thought it was like straight onto Disney Plus. Nope. The popular A113 reference is present in this film as it is in all Pixar films. The police call that comes through near the end says A113 in progress. A113 was the classroom used by John Lasseter, Tim Burton, Brad Bird, and a bunch of other Pixar animators. And this is the first time that it only appears verbally. Interesting that it's the first time it's only appeared verbally. But it is cool that they're finally giving it a different like connection. Like 
like we always see it whether it's in a movie title or it's an actual classroom number or some license and plate the fact how of how creative they got with this one like it's a113 not like keeping it together and like actually using like saying it it's like it was kind of separate and like thrown in there as a puzzle piece which was mm-hmm. in an email to inverse Wizards of the Coast confirmed it collaborated with Disney and Pixar over the use of D&D characters and story elements in Onward. The D&D team was super excited to meet with the writers and producers of Pixar's Onward, Wizards of the Coast told Inverse. There was a lot of back and forth in the room discussing how to best portray D&D monsters like the Beholder and the Gelatinous Cube. We love that Onward is bringing fantasy to a whole new audience, and it's a testament to how D&D storytelling is a part of mainstream culture now. The D&D nerd, all of that makes me very happy. Oh yeah, so so Wizards of the Coast actually helped out with this movie a little bit, they and did. they're even mentioned in the credits. They did great that with the stuff they did. Again, I think I was expecting more out of that kind of stuff when I watched it the first time, which is what drew me off a bit from it. But they still did a great job with the stuff that they did incorporate. Oh, yeah. And that is all the fun facts I have, finally. Some good fun facts in there. With that, are we ready to continue moving to our scores then? Yeah, let's do it. Starting off with story, I have mine at a 90. I have my story at an 87. And I think I probably would have given it more had I given some of my other stories a bit higher score. But like we all know that I've been very protective over my story score. Yeah. Throughout the seasons. And I mean, it's... I didn't necessarily have too many big problems with this movie. It was more of, you know, I was also, whenever I first watched it, I was expecting more of a grand adventure kind of thing. Yeah, and that that's the thing. That was my big issue when I first watched the movie, and which is why I'm able to appreciate it more now, I believe, because... If we're being honest, like, it really is lacking on, like, the fantasy epic part of, like, this kind of movie. Yes, they do have some some cool, like, puzzles and quests and things that they throw in there, but it's really not a lot in that kind of, like, regards of, this, like, this movie. Yeah, they were supposed to go on this big, grand, dangerous adventure, but there wasn't really all that much danger. No. There was, there was like, a little bit, but that wasn't until the end of the adventure. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, the biggest issue when I at least first watched it had. But then when you actually look in, like, now that I was watching that time, and you actually pay attention to the story and pay attention to the characters and all this, like, they really did a great job of setting this world up and making likable characters and a fun story that's entertaining to watch, even if they don't have all the stuff that you were necessarily looking for in it. Yeah. Like, that whole introduction set up to the world was a fun new kind of take on things where like magic was there and then people like started getting into technology and just kind of yeah they're like magic. they mentioned how magic wasn't able to be used by everyone only a few selected basically could use magic so the rest of the world was like you know what? we don't need magic here's a light bulb yeah and it was it was a fun little setup to the story i feel like especially like showing that Oh, magic was a prominent part of the world, and then people just kind of just stopped paying attention to it and stopped using it once, like the bigger and better thing came along, which was like electronic and stuff. Man, I don't, I don't think it's mentioned in the movie, but I believe the uh, narrator is supposed to be uh, their dad. 
That's possible. I don't know. There was never any, any like, oh, like, actual... The only reason I say that is because of some of the things that are said, especially at the end, what where the he's way... hoping that there's a little bit left, of, yeah, a little bit of magic left in you. With the way they're talking about the story and how he sets it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it, then it it's could... also kind of rendering his note for the gift. Yeah. So that, that is possible. And I think that's a fun way to, like, push that in there without... He's not really prevalent in the actual story besides being legs which was yeah and that, that, that i thought was kind of strange the first time i watched this movie and now like the more that i thought about it i'm like it's not that weird of an idea because i remember like even just a couple weeks ago i was talking about this movie with my friend this was before i watched it again recently and like we were both just bashing how stupid it was to have oh he's just legs the entire time and like it did seem stupid at the time, but now that you actually like put it all together with the story, it works and it it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And you don't actually need him like as a character to to set up the story. Not at all. And then uh, the fact that they ne- then show it slowly becoming more modern technology has grown, and now they're in a suburb. I think that's really neat. And we're seeing like ravenous unicorns, which early depictions of unicorns they weren't these beautiful majestic creatures they were savage and very deadly yeah unicorns are not supposed to be friendly and not very many people actually like follow follow up on that lore but that is how they are supposed to be it it was nice that they actually followed through with that even though it was like a two second bit (laughs) uh it was at the beginning and then there was a time later on i feel like when they were in the cave yeah in the cave I don't remember the earlier bit with the unicorns either. Uh, it was at the beginning. Some unicorns were fighting over trash. <laughs> like they were raccoons or something. <laughs> That's great. And then they have dragons as dogs. Yeah. That pet dragon was adorable. It was. <laughs> we also get that kind of extra part of the story where mom has a new boyfriend. Yeah. Which also, like... Since she's dating Officer Bronco, you would think she would make her house a bit more accommodating for him. Yeah. He's struggling to sit in the chair. He can't even get through the doorway. And, like, I don't know how long they've been together, but, like, it, would, it seemed like they had a pretty decent relationship with each other. It wasn't, didn't seem yeah. to be new. She gets a whole new so, boyfriend without asking her sons how they feel about it. I mean. Laurel's the villain of the movie. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> We're not even starting that. <laughs> Oh no, get ready. My notes are full of why other people are villains of the movie. <laughs> but like again, you would think Laura would like have a chair for him that he can sit at, at the house because I'm sure he's over there more often than just that scene. Mm-hmm. And he's like struggling to sit at the table, he's struggling to get through the door. I don't know, it just seemed kinda odd for and even yeah. his own cop car, he had troubles getting into in and out of his own cop car. Does the police force not accommodate him with a better car for himself i guess not (laughs) which i do think it's kind of funny that he's using a car even though no one's like relying on magic or anything anymore he should still be able to run but he chooses a car he at the end he doesn't need the car anymore but like oh yeah he finally starts running again which also i feel like he should be like completely out of shape and not be able to run everywhere if he hasn't been doing that for the entirety of his life. Yeah. So like he should have like slowly transitioned to, into that. But then Ian is also trying to learn how to drive, which 
I don't know. Merging into that traffic seemed impossible. Like, I yeah, don't understand. That how wasn't they, fair. I don't understand how they want anyone to get into that highway. It just seemed very unfair that yeah he had to do that. <laughs> like those people were not letting anyone in. That just seems terrible. I would not want to drive on that highway either if that's how everyone drives. But we do see Ian trying to build up his confidence after hearing about his dad at the restaurant, at yeah. the fast food place he went to. Mm-hmm. But of all birthday gifts to get, a magic staff from your late father, that has to be the coolest gift. Yeah, I think that would be pretty stoked if I got a magic staff on my 16th birthday. <laughs> like, okay, you're an adult now, so I'm going to trust you. Magic's real. Here's your wand. Oh, cool. Avada Kedavra. <laughs> but I mean, Barley tries forever to get his to get the spell to work. Yeah. Nothing. Ian's in his room alone, starts trying, is doing very successful. Then Barley comes in and messes it all up. I don't know. I think it could have been because Ian only cast a spell holding on to the staff for half of the spell. Well, that's because Barley came in, bothered him. No, he was because he Barley's wasn't... the villain of the movie. No, he's not. <laughs> Barley is the hero of the, the movie. <laughs> but no, I got who the real hero is near the end. <laughs> but I would, I don't know. I was saying, I like in my notes, I wrote because he like starts casting the spell and he's just saying the words out and he's not holding on to the staff. And then, like, as he's halfway through, he starts talk like saying the spell is when he grabs the staff because it's about to fall off the table. Yeah. Like, if he would have committed to that a bit more, I feel like it would have happened. <laughs> so are you telling me Ian's the villain of the film? Yes, Ian's the villain. <laughs> also, I mean, Barley spent all that time trying to cast that spell. Don't you think Ian would have tried it at least once that time while they no, were in there Barley together? No, Barley was too busy trying it. <laughs> but that uh, crystal breaks, so they're off to go find a new one. And I guess the game was based off real life because he's like we have to go see the manticore tavern and apparently that's a real place i did like the fact that they based the game off of real life and i do feel like it's pretty convenient as well yeah but it also seems like a setup for disaster if other people figured that out like if other people like realize that all these spells in the magical book are actual magic spells that you can do and someone just kind of like crime someone's just gonna be out there it's setting off spells and doing all kinds of magic because this but like you can just buy this magic book from the store for like 30 bucks <laughs> but uh they get to manticore's tavern and it turns out it's just chuck e cheese <laughs> i don't know if i would call it chuck e cheese it looked no not like... quite chuck e cheese but you know what i mean it's it more of a fun like birthday place a blend between chuck e cheese and a sports bar <laughs> yeah Chuck E. Cheese, the sports bar, maybe a little bit of Dave and Buster's in there. See if they have a crappy Mario Kart game. Half of it seemed like it was for kids, and then the other half was all those Karens trying to do, do karaoke. karaoke together. <laughs> but there was also darts, and I think there might have been pool. So like, I think did... that was near the end of the movie when they had darts and pool. But it still seemed like a fun place to be. I would go eat at the Mint Quest Tower. Oh, yeah. And I... After this past week I had at work, I relate so hard to the Manticore. (laughs) (laughs) Just stressed, ready to give up, doing whatever they can. She was she was struggling. (laughs) But But seeing Ian go like aggro 
<laughs> on her. Ian finally stood up for himself there. Was, that was, was a great cool. scene. Yeah. Even <laughs> his, his mother was surprised about it when, when the manticore was saying that it was the smaller one that stood up to her. Uh-huh. <laughs> and also just, oh, what was the quote she said? Oh, the, the thing about adventure, a true, true adventure is where you find it or some something like that. Or... Something about adventure and danger. I don't know. But she goes, who would say something like that? And he goes, um, apparently you would. And then she looks up at the picture of her and right above it is the exact quote she says. <laughs> that was great. That was That's her awakening moment of, oh, no, what a, what is going on? <laughs> she sold out. <laughs> and then she sets the place on fire. <laughs> but She's the villain of the film. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how she got away with that as well. I mean, she did get away with it because... The cops were very incompetent again, and Laurel just <laughs> snuck her away very easily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Yanny just snuck her away easily. Laurel. Yanny. It's Laurel. Oh, I heard Yanny the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, her name is Laurel. <laughs> For any of you who remember that uh, meme, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Yanny and Laurel. It was oh. an audio clip where you either heard Yanny or Laurel. It's like the whole blue and wow. black or okay, the blue dress thing, dress yeah. Thing. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Laurel just tells the cop that she's an expert in manticores or whatever, <laughs> and sneaks her away. They also got away really fast. I don't understand how they snuck away. Yeah, within like two seconds of him checking on them, and it wasn't through flying because apparently the manticore hasn't flown in a while. Yeah. Oh, now I remember why I put the manticore as the villain because she forgot to tell them about the curse. <laughs> I mean, that's not her fault. She hasn't been thinking about this for Yeah, she's a manager at a f- <laughs> food place. Exactly. It's not that's I not would be stressed thing. out too and forget things. That's not her fault. Um, they go to the gas station and they can fill up their tank for ten dollars. Fancy. <laughs> yeah, that is some real fantasy right there. <laughs> I didn't even notice that was the price for, for it that they paid yeah. for the gas. He says uh, 10 on pump. Well, I, he was also filling pump. up the gas can. He wasn't filling up the gas well, tank. Well, yeah. But, so that's kind of expensive for a gas tank. Because he would figure a stand. Uh, I don't no, know. not really. I would say I guess a standard gas tank is usually like three gallons or so. So that would be like more than five bucks a gallon. <laughs> so that seems about right. Oh, maybe then. Yeah. <laughs> Because all I'm thinking is, wow, they used $10 to fill up a tank? No, they were only filling up the gas can because they didn't have the car. Remember, the, the car was out of gas right, and they yeah. had to walk there. That's right. <laughs> but while they're at the, the gas station, Ian already had turned barley small because of the growth spell going wrong there. Mm-hmm. But why would Ian let barley go off into the bathroom alone when he's small? And with or all how, the sprites hanging around. How did... Barley even get into the bathroom on his own anyway. Maybe they have like small bathrooms to accommodate for like the sprites and all these smaller creatures. Because <laughs> like he's barely holding on to the key and he's like down at the floor. Like unless there unless there is like a small door on the floor like you said. But then how does everyone else get into the bathroom? I mean there could be a big door with a small door. <laughs> Again it's all about accommodations. Not everyone does it, but I'm sure some places do. I don't know. They didn't even accommodate uh, Officer Bronco's cars. <laughs> also, then 
Barley telling him that he needs to keep his concentration the whole time during that spell, and he just keeps bugging him the entire time. Stay concentrated. Elbow's up. <laughs> but Barley was good at teaching still. Yeah. He taught Ian how to do spells, taught Ian how to drive. He taught Ian a lot of stuff. He taught Ian pretty much everything that he knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How exactly do Pixies ride motorcycles, though? So, there was one Pixie, like, watching everything, and then I guess all the other Pixies were causing the thing to move. I, it looked like they were working as a team, because it seemed like some at the handlebar, some down on the side, and some were, like, on the brakes. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know, it seems like a lot of teamwork for them to be. Well, there's a lot of Pixies on one bike. <laughs> yeah. But that was a fun chase scene. It was a fun chase scene. <laughs> And I liked how he did put that sticker for O on O for onward <laughs> instead of D for drive. Mm-hmm. Although that air conditioner should have blown Barley out of the window too when it. Uh, it almost out. did. I don't know. He should have done like, it faster. He seemed like he was prepared for it to come on and grab on faster than the Pixies, but I feel like he should not have been ready for that and should have just gotten blown out of the window also. Yeah. And then the dad's top half is just hanging out the window. Like waving at the the pixies, pissing them off even more. <laughs> <laughs> Those pixies were getting mad at everything. Mm-hmm. Whenever they're stopped by the cops, though, I feel like Barley should have been up front because he it would have been easier for him to talk his way out of it. Yeah, I mean he did do a better impression of <laughs> Officer Bronco as well, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's because of, like because Ian was doing the magic, he needed to be up. At the front, I feel. Uh, maybe. Barley did say that he wanted to be up front. Yeah. But but it doesn't say how the spell really works no. in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Also, the cops didn't do a great job of, ins- of inspecting the dad very well. Yeah. Like, no. To notice that it was just a dummy with sunglasses on and, <laughs> and just legs. Like, as far as they know, they just thought it was some drunk person. <laughs> but that whole thing about Ian having to tell the truth only and then like lying about thinking that Barley wasn't a screw up was a great way to like progress the story forward and push that extra tension into the plot as well. Yeah. Like that definitely puts some more tension into the uh story. And then uh the fact that the dad's bad dancing helped break up their fighting. <laughs> Which I don't really understand how he was I get, like, yes, when he was in the van, he could have felt the vibrations. But then once he was out of the van, yeah, I don't know, maybe the ground was still vibrating a little bit because the music was loud enough. I don't think the music was that loud. (laughs) I don't know. Also, I feel like you should have fell over a lot more than just the one time he actually did. (laughs) Yeah. Even, like, throughout the entire movie, he was moving around a lot better than he should have for just being a pair of legs. I mean, granted, he was on a dog leash, but still. No, but... If you close your, even if you like blindfold yourself or you're walking around in the dark, you move around a lot more cautiously than he was throughout the entirety of the movie. Because you can just imagine, like, he's not seeing anything. He's not here. He can't even hear either. So, like, yeah. that makes, he should be even more cautious. Like, if I'm moving my legs around and I have no clue where or what's going on, I would be, like, feeling every single little step out around me. To like make sure I'm not falling in into any holes or falling down or going yeah. down the curb. Because even when I can see, I can still I'll still trip. <laughs> like 
I've fallen off of a curb before and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just feel like he should have been a lot more clumsy for just being a pair of legs. Yeah, that's definitely true. Well, then, as they're out doing all their stuff, the mom and the manticore are out robbing a pawn shop to steal to steal a sword because the, yeah. pawn, the pawn shop owner <laughs> heard about how great the sword was and decided to raise the price. That's something that happens in real pawn shops, though. Yeah. Like someone will go, oh, this is my missing blah, blah, blah. It's very valuable. It's one and... of a kind. <laughs> oh, I just... So it turns out this thing's one of a kind and it's very <laughs> valuable. So I'm going to raise the price a lot. <laughs> I love how Laurel is just talking to a cop on the phone as she's robbing a store as well. <laughs> well, she wasn't planning on robbing. It just kind of <laughs> happened. I don't know. It, <laughs> it was a very like thought out plan. <laughs> really, the manticore is the one who... Neither one of them seemed to be remorseful about what they did at all. Well, no, that's because... The pawn shop owner was slimy and terrible. Yeah, the pawn shop owner was extorting them also. But <laughs> then we get that whole scene with the bridge. This is where the adventure finally starts happening. <laughs> and <laughs> mm-hmm. and it starts feeling like an epic yeah. adventure. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just a great scene of Ian trying to have a little more trust and faith in his magic abilities. Yes. I do think it should have taken him a bit longer to actually be able to step on the bridge, though. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he shouldn't have been able to believe that the step was there, like, right after the first fall. Yeah. Like, if he fails, it's probably going to give him a bit more doubt, and then he's really not going to believe that this bridge was actually there. And I think they could have, like, added a little bit more of, like, a like a, like a montage of failures. That, well, that would work, or also just, like, a bit more of a pep talk from Barley as well would have worked to, yeah. to instill some confidence in him and like relate some kind of story like either from his past or like relate it to the game like the whatever their version it's the same the title of the game is the same uh, I don't have the name well of it's the not Dungeons and Dragons it's something else something of war yeah Hold on, let me look at my fun facts. <laughs> quests of yore. Yeah, quests. They could have like related that to some kind of like something to do with the game, quests of yore, and like had it been a teaching moment for him there. Yeah, but it was still a fun scene, and it was still a great moment, like growing moment for Ian as well. Although I feel like you should have felt the rope fall off of him. Yeah, you should definitely should have felt that rope loosening up and <laughs> not being on him anymore. But it's a good thing he didn't, because then he would have fell right in the middle of the... the yeah. Chasm. Then Officer Barley shows up and gives him crap for running away. And then Ian yeah. goes aggro again. It's like, okay, let's we'll do what he says, and then <laughs> runs from him. <laughs> then we get that whole cop scene, cop feel, chase scene. I feel bad for running from the cops. You're not running from the cops. You're running from mom's boyfriend. <laughs> now you're running from the cops. <laughs> Which he, uh, he did. And then, then we get the true triumphant marking of the real hero of the movie, Guinevere. <laughs> Which should not have happened, let's be real. There's no way <laughs> that van would have flew into that rock at the perfect trajectory with no steering and no driving. Fantasy. <laughs> but it was a very epic scene. I will say, Ian was also driving pretty well down that 
mountainside cliff thing for someone uh, yeah. that doesn't have a license either. He was like speeding down and doing all these fast turns and like just driving really well for someone that doesn't even have a license yet. <laughs> yeah. And then they end up running on foot and getting away from the cops who couldn't chase after him. Also, Barley sacrificing his van was just a great scene. Oh, uh, yeah. General. Uh, they get away from the van and then they. F- My mind went blank. Hold on. <laughs> they go into the cave. Yeah, they, is, they find that random piece that's like, oh, so we need to find water. Well, they also followed the ravens to get to that point, which yeah. they piece together. Oh, it's not Raven's Point. It's where the ravens are pointing to, which is like, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there is a, there is a phoenix gym in the mountain. <laughs> At Raven's Point. <laughs> yeah. But there just happens to also be one in the town, which they end up at later. Well, it wasn't... It's weird, because I was brought this up in my notes. It seemed, This is going to be jumping ahead a little bit, but that tunnel seemed to be leading them nowhere, and then it takes them out to the sewer. But they also had to get that piece, the little piece that they stuck into the fountain, from there. So it wasn't like it was a complete waste of time. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have had that stone that they stuck in the the fountain to get the the gem out to begin with if it was there but you would think that stone should have been like at the end of the tunnel or something and not like before they even entered yeah so it just kind of made that whole scene just feel a bit off yeah and then they had to make do with the boat so they enlarged (laughs) cheese puff (laughs) i mean enlarging a cheese puff is exactly what i would do if i had magic let's be real like, yeah, but we wouldn't be using it as a boat. No, I'd be. We just try it. to get a bigger cheese puff. Yeah, I'd be enlarging all the food that I had and just making large, <laughs> large, large versions of food. <laughs> giant pizza, giant burger, some giant wings. <laughs> but yeah, that tunnel leads them to home, like right in front of the school. Yeah, again, should have included that stone at the end of the tunnel to make it seem like it was a bit more straightforward also i do love that they included they actually included the gelatinous cube in there as well yeah <laughs> like after all this time of talking about it throughout the entirety of it it finally showed up and i'll be honest gelatinous cubes are no joke i've fought a gelatinous <laughs> cube in D and the earlier editions and i almost got eaten by it <laughs> yikes yeah but then we get that whole spew of ian being mad calling barley screw up because Ian is the villain of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Barley is to blame for any of that. I don't no. understand why Ian was blaming Barley for that. Because but... wh- why would Ian be yelling at Barley? Ian doesn't know what he's talking about either. <laughs> at least Barley's coming up with ideas. Yeah, Barley was definitely being helpful throughout the entire time. And just Ian just didn't wasn't able to see it that way. And that's when he had that moment of realization as well, though. When he was looking through his notes... And realized that he Barley was more of his father figure to him his entire life. Mm-hmm. Which that was just a really touching moment and a great moment to watch as well. But it turns out that found that Barley kept trying to protect is important because it's holding a Phoenix gem. <laughs> Takes it out and then boom, cursed dragon, stone dragon. <laughs> well, it's the curse 
It was the curse that caused the stone dragon. I do yeah. love how they just the dragon just came apart and it was made from the school. <laughs> the mascots the face, face became the dragon's <laughs> face. That was hilarious. <laughs> and those facial expressions it kept giving us was pretty good too. Yeah, the the, the bricks would break into eyebrows and give mm. it like a snarling face. <laughs> Which I would not call the stone dragon a villain. It's just doing its job as a curse. Yeah, I mean it's playing a villainous role, but again, it's not again this this movie doesn't really have a true villain. This, this it is has another a lot one of the, villains. I've yeah. named them all. None of those are villains that you've named so far. <laughs> but it, it's again, it works without like I don't think this movie really needs a, a true villain. I think it's was great the story no. that was being told on its own. I mean, the whole fight scene we got anyways was amazing. Yes, it was fun. Especially once Ian came in using his magic. <laughs> yeah, Ian convincing Barley to talk to his dad instead while he fights off the dragon was just the growth in Ian that we needed to see. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that pulled some heartstrings for me. Mm-hmm. Especially when we see the silhouette of the dad and Barley just hugging. Yeah, and Ian just stuck watching through a little peephole. Which... And their mom is a badass for fighting that stone dragon like that. I don't think she should have been able to lift a story like that, but I'm not going to question <laughs> Oh no, she seemed pretty strong. She was able to flip Barley with ease. <laughs> <laughs> that's she true. does a lot of working out it's true but yeah she did a good job of holding her own against that dragon as well and then we do get that moment afterwards and after dad has already disappeared and Ian and Barley are talking about what he said and everything and I, that was another scene that made me tear up a little bit it was a, another touching moment where the hug that dad was giving Barley was for Ian which we don't know if that's exactly what it was or if that was just Barley being nice to Ian, but it was still a great moment between the mm-hmm. two of them. But, I mean, the rest of the end is just watching Ian have more confidence, making friends. Mm-hmm. It, it was a great way to end. It was. I would well, not mind seeing a second movie. I would like them to to push a bit further into the magic aspect of it if they do, uh-huh. if they do continue going forward with it, but I agree. I wouldn't mind seeing more of the series. But I mean overall the story's pretty good. Yeah, it's a it's a great story. And I think the major part of it comes from the characters as well. Like the char- they give you great characters that you can really root for and dig into and like the the relationships that the characters have with each other and like how it plays out with the story itself plays a major part into this. Mm-hmm. I think that's Which... one one of the reasons why it works so well. Yeah, and with that, let's just go and move on to our character score. Okay, so I have a 94 for my characters. I actually also have a 94 for my characters. I think these are honestly some of the best characters that we've seen individually from like a, a Disney and Pixar movie. Like, Yeah, and I mean, we see growth in all of them. The way that Ian... And Barley are both so relatable to almost any kind of person, or just even Laura as well. Or the Manticore. And and Corey, yeah. All the characters together as a a whole. Like, they're all just actually relatable characters. I relate to every single one of them in some way, (laughs) shape, or form. There's just so, they feel so normal as characters, and they don't feel like it's completely ridiculous to be seeing them do the things that that was happening, or like, it didn't it all of it worked 
really well, and especially with the relationships they had with each other as well. Mm-hmm. Like Ian is just this really anxiety-ridden teen who's just struggling to put himself out there and even just do simple things, and he has this really obnoxious, over-the-top brother who is the complete opposite of him, mm-hmm. and just them two as a as a whole just complete each other and it really helps develop both of their characters yeah and then the connection we get between laurel and the Mentacore, they play off very well one's a mom who's trying to protect her boys and one's the one who sent those boys on a dangerous quest <laughs> but they but did they also play off a, each other so well they did have a great relationship with each other and it was really fun to see them interact with each other and how they were like how the mom was stepping out of this just everyday mom role to to do whatever she can to save her mm-hmm. children which is a great aspect for a parent mm-hmm. and then they end up becoming good friends by the end of the movie yeah because she's <laughs> saying she's going out on a quest with uh, the manticore at the end of it but see i love barley like personally i i think uh. he was supposed to be put in there as like an aggravating brother and like over the annoying top. older and, brother but like i relate to him so much that i'm like this man is amazing i love this guy and <laughs> i relate because i'm the obnoxious older brother <laughs> there's just so much of his like in from his personality that is i see in my my own personality and like it it fits so well but also it's the, the same can be said about ian as well i also have dealt with the same kind of issues that ian has dealt with at some point in my life as well and it's just trying to balance those issues as well mm-hmm. and just the whole not fitting in part mm-hmm. i kind of fit it i feel with that big time yeah i mean i put dad down as a character but again he was just a pair of legs yeah i mean he doesn't but we could still see that he had care for his kids yeah he, in terms of character he doesn't offer much but like you can see what kind of like setup he had for the story and what what he meant to the the family themselves and like how everything actually played out. Mm-hmm. And then the only other character I put down was uh, Officer Bronco. I also have Officer Bronco written down. I feel like they could have done a bit more with him. Mm-hmm. He's the one character where I wish we got more. Like they could have had some kind of bonding moment between him and the kids at the end of the movie, or like even pushed him more the further threat when they were like having that scene when he was chasing him and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i feel like they just kind of dropped that whole bit really fast but other than that there's not many other characters (laughs) yeah this was not a big side character driven movie but again these main characters that they give us hold their own so well and honestly such great characters that it it's all we need Mm -hmm. because i mean you have you do kind of have those pixies in there but like again they they don't really do much. They just add like one little tiny thing to it. They add a bit of a threat yeah. to the story. That's about it. Oh, are we, that, are we ready to go and just move on to visuals? Yeah, let's keep keep things moving then. All right. Uh, for visuals, I have a 93. I have a 90 for my visuals. Okay. So I think the visuals throughout were good. I wouldn't say they were the best visuals that we've seen. No, not by and, any means. They, they, I feel like they could have done a bit more visually, but it was still fun. 
I really loved like the intro visuals of like when, uh-huh. the, when the magic was still there and all the the way it was showing off all that stuff. And it had the like particles around whenever they it brought up the title. Mm-hmm. The fire from the Manticorn Tavern looked really good. Yeah, that that was great. The whole, that whole scene was fun with the fire and the way the building was being destroyed and and honestly, just the magic from the tavern look or just the magic in general looked really good yeah all of the magic stuff looked really well especially i loved like the disguise magic when you can see like that spectral form behind him and then oh, you... the actual characters and then yeah that did look really good there was that firework magic that was pretty mm-hmm. one of the, the things that stood out to me the most in visuals and it's something so simple but the notepad that he was writing his goals on just looked super realistic mm-hmm. and it really just looked exactly they really captured how a pen writing on paper would actually come out and it looked just so so real to me that i think yeah. it just stuck out and then something we always talk about the water looked really good yes like every scene it was in there was that river into the swamp or into the sewage and the chamber it, where the water was filling up on them. Mm-hmm. Also, the, the the drawings in that cave were really cool too. There was oh like yeah, the wizard being drawn on the wall and some other like cave drawings that looked cool. The sunset looked great at the end of the movie when they were at the cliff waiting like for the dad to materialize and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just the lighting through all that mm-hmm. it looked really good too. Also, the stone dragon. Oh yeah, the stone dragon. The character and, design on that and just the whole setup of it also was incredible. It was so good. Plus it once it like broke off for eyebrows or its mouth. The, the facial expressions of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of facial expressions, the, the pet dragon. They really did a lot of stuff with the, the pet dragon's facial expressions that were fun. And he was just adorable that, throughout the entirety of the movie. Oh yeah. Him. <laughs> It made me want a pet dragon. <laughs> Same. Also, the scene when the van was flying into the rocks. Yes. It was really like intense action, dramatic scene, which looked great. Um, I don't really have much else. That's about all that I have for visuals also. So, Well, then let's move on to atmosphere. For atmosphere, I have a 94. I have a 95. Okay. Which, I mean, it was good. I mean, the sound effects were what I think were one of the bigger parts of the score. There, there was a lot of great sound effects. I do think the scoring was great itself too. Like it we was had that that one main theme that kind of kept getting played throughout, but like in different ways. I really love that they they made it like a fantasy type soundtrack, but also kind of kept it in a modern mm-hmm. like theme. I think that was a lot of fun. Throwing in that rock song. That was great. And then the final credit song was very nice too. It was. There was one issue that I had, which was like when the mom was going to fight the dragon, they threw in like this weird random techno music like song. Yeah. Out of nowhere. I'm like, this feels so out of place. Why was this put in there like this? But then they like was only there for like 10, 15 seconds and then it went back to normal music again. So I'm like, all right. Why Why bother putting in this weird techno beat? Yeah, that was a bit out of place and <laughs> very unneeded. 
but other than that, the rest of the music sounded great throughout oh, the yeah. movie. And voice acting was incredible as well. Of course. I mean, we had Tom <laughs> Holland, Chris Pratt. There were just some good stars in here. Mm-hmm. And of course, we had uh, Ratzenberg again. <laughs> he was the construction worker. He had this one time. line again. <laughs> he, he's really like lacking on his voice lines lately. Well, maybe he's not trying to be a big part of the movies <laughs> anymore. Yeah. But he's still making that cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have much more for Atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it did exactly what it needed to do. I don't know what I would have changed about it if it was anything that really needed to be changed. Like, maybe some kind of like... Besides throwing out that techno music. <laughs> yeah, get rid of that techno music. Maybe throwing like some kind of like shanty type song in there. Uh-huh. There should have been a shanty in there for sure. <laughs> I think that would have been fun, but other than that, it would still work right. So let's move on to entertainment then. All right. Uh, this one's mine. For entertainment, I have it at a 94. I have a 90 for my entertainment here. Okay. So still a really solid movie. Very, a lot, again, a lot better than I was anticipating it being after. Oh, yeah. I was ready for last to be like, yeah, this is just as bad as I remember it from like a few years ago. Yeah. I this like I said I think this was the biggest opinion change I've had on a Disney movie, besides like stuff before I st- we started the podcast, but like yeah since watching the podcast or starting the podcast I would say this was my, the biggest improvement of anything and there's a lot of fun stuff to it again the characters really sell this movie and make this story so believable and such a fun story yeah and just that connection they have with each other. And I mean, there's still plenty of times where I was cracking up laughing and yeah. seeing all these different references. There was a lot of good drama and comedy mixed together. Like the, the birthday party in the Manticore's Tavern was just correct. Like he's giving this whole big speech about the Man- Manticore and how fearsome and deadly he is. And then he opens the door and it's just a bunch of kids having a birthday party. <laughs> and... Uh huh. It's like they're ready to go into some rough place. <laughs> And all they hear is, happy, happy birthday from all of us to you. <laughs> that whole scene itself was great, though. Just it was. seeing the Manticore's interactions with all the customers and how they were handling all the situations. And then, and then just the whole magic aspect and adventure aspect of it was really good, too. I just, again, I wish they would have done more with that. I feel like that was the big thing like that I was lacking the first time I watched it, and that's why I didn't like it so much. And there was so much more that they could have done in that kind of aspect. Like, they had, what, two trials, basically, in in a fantasy sense? Like, when they were going through the cave, and then when they were fighting off the dragon, and then the rest was just kind of, like, basic stuff that we would see. The rest was just getting there. Any other kind of standard movie. There probably should have been more trials on the way. But... But, even that, it was still fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely watch this again now. Yeah. I mean, I came into it not... Like, I was really dreading this move, watching this movie. I was like, ugh, I don't want to watch this movie. I don't want to have to do this episode. Why do we have to do this? And now... Yeah. Now I'm like, I'd watch this movie again. <laughs> uh, if you're ready, I'm ready to give my overall. Yeah, I think I'm ready to give my overall score. All right, what you got? I have a 91 for my overall score. And I have mine at a 93.2. Okay. Again, 
I mean, solid scores. Yeah, it's a pretty high scoring movie. Again, completely different than what I was expecting coming into this. But again, once you get past the whole, it's not really a fantasy epic like you were expecting it to be. Deep down in there is a great story. There's great characters. There's so many great aspects to it. And it all works so well together. But I, I just, I don't know. We were saying, or at Coco, I believe it was, that felt like it was the most of a Disney movie. I mm-hmm. do feel like this actually has a big Disney feel to it as well. This definitely has a Disney feel. Like, yeah, it definitely, I definitely feel the Disney aspect to it. Yeah, it it can definitely, like, blend in with the Disney family as compared to the other Pixar movies. But it still also has a lot of Pixar aspects to it as well, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have I don't have a segue into this. So next week's movie is Soul. <laughs> well, it has the Disney heart and the Pixar soul. How about uh, that? Speaking of soul, <laughs> thank you. You know, maybe uh, I should start doing these soul. transitions. <laughs> <laughs> next week's Soul, and I remember a lot of people trashing this movie, but I personally enjoy it. Yeah, I'm really excited. I love this movie. I've watched this so many times and i think it's such a great fun movie and i yes a lot of people like hate on it for some reason and i don't see why i think it's a great movie i will say it is very inside out-esque like it has a like the very yeah. same feel to what inside out was but also so maybe that's why people are seeing it's like it's not as good as inside out but also it's still its own story and it still has its own great fun stuff to it yeah but it's also about jazz. So like And I love jazz. <laughs> you like jazz? <laughs> this okay. No, that's DreamWorks. <laughs> you don't talk about them here. <laughs> but anyways, soul is next week. Yeah. So until next time, may all your dreams come true. Bye. <laughs>